What would June Daly Watkins do acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today. We would also like to pay our respects to elders past, present and future. Dressing well is a form of good manners. Don't you agree? Does what we wear really matter? What about taking a call while we're at the checkout? Or neglecting to RSVP? In a rude modern world, what would June Daly Watkins do? While the Order of Australia recipient quite literally wrote the book on manners, we're asking what that legacy really means today. Your host, Jody Bashay-McLean, has had the privilege of working with the late June Daly Watkins for over 36 years. Now, Jody is picking up the baton with one key question. Is etiquette dead and buried? Or does the modern world need Miss Daly's teachings now more than ever? In today's effortlessly stylish episode, we'll hear from the one and only Diane Kent, Order of Australian Merit. Australia's first lady of fashion will share her insights on what it really means to dress well and the subliminal messages we're sending with our wardrobe. Di, it is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today as you and I do go back a long, long way, don't we? We certainly do, Jade. I have to say, in my life to date, there have been a few significant women. My mother. Yes. Miss Daly. Yes. And you. Oh, that's fabulous. Thank you. Well, it's true. You have, I have sort of been in your orbit from the age of 14. Yes. When you were my teacher at June Daly Watkins when I did my first course. That's right. I remember it well. I first would like to say I am so proud of you, of your recent award that was bestowed upon you, the Order of Australian Merit, is that the correct yes, way to yes. say it? <laughs> is such a wonderful recognition of you and everything that you have done in an industry that has been, I believe, from what I've witnessed, one of your greatest loves. Absolutely. And yes, uh, I'd love for you to share with our listeners what that award was for and um, how you feel about having received that recognition. Well, Jody, as you know, I was very chuffed, very surprised actually. I cried when I got the first notification because it's kept fairly secret and um, others knew I didn't. Um, And I thought, wow, why me? Oh, don't bother asking why, just accept it graciously. But it was, the citation is for long service to the fashion industry, 50 years or rounded off at that anyway, (laughs) but also to my involvement with charities and um, along with my late husband and, and along with my daughter, we've been involved with charities. We believe we've put back with the help of a lot of people, a lot of um, models and designers. And my connection has been mainly about fashion shows and fundraising and also mentorship in the industry. I'm quite proud of a lot of those lovely stories. So I believe that is why I was awarded the OAM and I just love it and I do wear it with pride. And I, I believe you are in good company with another recipient of this award. Would you like to share that with us? Yes, I'd love to. Of course, I'm in good company. Miss Daly, Jindali Watkins, was awarded the OAM in 1993 and the citation was for her 
success and role in as a woman in business and for the development of her model agency and training and education, um, which we continue today, of course. So Miss Daly was always my pin-up and third order. And of course, now I've received similar awards. So very proud, very proud indeed. She would be so proud. She would create a club. You two would be, <laughs> you would be the OAM club. And um, do you have a title now? So is it, do we call you Lady Di? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, a lot of you in the industry used to say Lady Di and it was rather lovely, but no, 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 no. I'm just Di Cant or Diane Cant OAM, which well, is enough. <laughs> I'm admiring the medal that you're wearing on your beautiful black velvet suit today. What is the protocol with that wonderful medal of yours? Do you wear it all the time? What What are the expectations? Mm-hmm. Well, you receive a lovely button-style medal for on the lapel of a business suit. And this, what I'm wearing today, because I wanted to show it to you anyway, is the miniature, which can be worn at any time, but in particular for evening wear, for formal occasions. I recently was included in a lovely dinner with Her Excellency at Government House, and we were requested to wear um, miniatures that night. So um, I was very proud of my new miniature. And then, of course, there is the the large medal, which you are awarded on the day at the investiture. So it's a beautiful collection and, um, yeah, very proud. Oh, well, again, congratulations. We're proud too. Mm, Thank Um, you. You've been part of the JDW family as you said, for a long, long time. And in the industry, certainly from my perspective, in in the education and training side, you are one of the most favourite teachers that we have in our school. They love our students, whether they're 14 or whether our students are in their 40s or 50s. They really love your classes when mm-hmm. you you share with them your wisdom about fashion and dressing well. Mm-hmm. And that kind of is a lovely little segue to sort of chat to you further about the question that I ask all of our guests. Do you have a quote that resonates with you? And the focus is around manners and etiquette. Mm-hmm. And if you do, can you share it with us and also perhaps tell us why it means so much to you? Absolutely. Well, I do have three, but number one is from Tom Ford. Dressing well is a form of good manners. To me, it makes a lot of sense. And of course, I do adore Tom Ford. I love what he stands for. And I think it's a very real quote. Dressing well is a form of good manners. Don't you agree? I do agree. And uh, who better to have advice from than the icon that is Tom Ford. Mm. He's quite, he's incredible. And what I love about him too is that he says it's very important that we should always put forward our best version of ourselves. But at the same time, he's very anti-pretension, which I kind of like. That I makes, do too. I, that makes mm. me admire him more. Mm. It's not snobbery. It's not mm. not brand awareness, though he himself and the eponymous brand is... Um, Tom Ford, I mean. I, I heard that he has his T-shirts tailored. Oh, stop it. <laughs> did you read that? I did, I did. Yeah. But again, he's not a pretentious person. Not he's, at all. Have you met him? No, I haven't. 
You met have, a few. You have, met a few. Oh, I'd love. <laughs> can you share with who you have met? Because we're in this fashion space, and mm-hmm. and often we're not. We're told we shouldn't. Name drop. Name drop. But I'm giving you permission, please. I'd Thank love you. to know more. <laughs> um, I have met Valentina. Um, wow. But not where one would think I might meet him. It wasn't at a collection. Mm-hmm. It was in Gestad in Switzerland and he'd been skiing. Johnny and I were there. Uh, we were having lunch and we walked back down to the glass train and I saw him buying magazines. And it was actually the week that Vogue were announcing that he had sold for a mega prize, the house of Valentino. So I'm going back a long way. Mm. And he stayed on with his brand for quite a long time, of course. But um, he was just gorgeous, you know, in the white, puffy, Michelin man type parka, very uprisky with the narrow black pants and the dark hair and he's did just... you have a photo taken with him yes i did and you, so this brings me this is a wonderful segue to a question that i've been thinking about of late so that transaction of asking for the, uh-huh. the photograph is there a, a particular way that perhaps you can share with our listeners because i you know mm-hmm. we're living in this world of celebrities and you know people are celebrities for no reason at all, really. They just become a celebrity mm-hmm. and, and people want to take photographs and because, yes. and have mementos or they just want to put it on social media. Is there a particular way in which one should oh, approach yes. that? Absolutely. And without being pushy, mm-hmm. but I really wanted that <laughs> photo. And I did say to my late husband, John, I said, Johnny, get the camera ready. I want a photo. And this and was pre-social media, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. This was late 90s. Well, certainly mobile phones were around, but certainly pre-social media. I just have to interrupt there for one moment. And I have to share with the listeners, you have always taken photographs. Yes. I can remember from my early modelling days, you were always the one behind the camera recording moments, which I think is is wonderful because some people may say, gee, Di takes a lot of photos and I think she's always. Mm-hmm. And and we used to have to wait in the olden days for them to be developed and then we would That's share. Right. It was, yeah. um, I kind of like those days. Absolutely. And I actually regret not having a lot more. And at times in my career, I used to say, I wish I'd done a photography course and taken that side more seriously. Mm. But you can't do everything. I think you take pretty good photographs, (laughs) just quietly. So, sorry, back to Valentino asking Mm. for the photograph. Well, I walked over towards Valentino and I said, excuse me, sir. Hello, my name's Diane Cant and I'm from Australia and I know who you are and just wanted to say hello so that I can tell all the models back home that I've met you. And he spoke beautifully, very softly, uh, in that sexy sort of Italian-y voice of his and um, welcomed me. And I said, would I be allowed to have a photo with you? And he said, of course, and put his arm around my shoulder. And I thought, John can't get this right. We've got one chance here. And like you only, you don't click, click, click yes. like you do nowadays. Mm. And so he, he got it in one. I was having a bad hair day. I was wearing a great coat by covers, but I was just so thrilled to meet him and shake hands with him and have a brief chat. We chatted briefly, but he was buying a stack of 
Vogue and international magazines. And later I found out that um, he was buying every edition. He was on holidays, obviously, at his beautiful Alpine house. And um, so, yes, yes, met him. Wow. Mm-hmm. May I ask who else? Oh, you know who else. <laughs> Ralph Lauren, my absolute favourite. I, I admire him and Ricky and the family and I've always said he's got more style in his big toe than most of us will mm. ever have. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I hope there are a few more. I mean, then you have all your Australian designers, of course. That yes. Some are, are dear friends of yours as well. I think the fashion industry, it's interesting when we talk about fashion um, and Tom Ford not being pretentious, which is wonderful. But unfortunately, some think that etiquette and snobbery are sort of two words that are aligned together and mm-hmm. and um, at the detriment of, of what we would call real manners. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that people are thinking, well, to be well-mannered and have etiquette, you must be, dare I say, a snob? And perhaps people are thinking, I don't want to be a snob, so... It's best if I don't embrace the thought process of being a person who practices good manners. What's been your experience? I think you're right. In some ways, they think, oh, it's posh. Ah, that word. Yes. And um, that's a nightmare. They've got it all wrong if they feel that way. Because manners come from home, upbringing, knowledge, education. And it starts really when, you know, a very small child being demanding about something Mm, mm. and they're told, please wait a moment, or they're not screamed at and say, wait a moment, Mm, you know. mm, So mm. I think a lot of it comes through. And then, of course, you know, you have the wonderful advantage in education of attending schools like ours, like Mm. JDW. Mm, mm. So there's plenty available to get rid of that wrong impression. Mm, Yeah. mm. It's not posh. No. And there's nothing wrong with being posh, but manners is a totally different thing. It's um, one of the best tools that a man and a woman or boys and girls Mm. can have. Mm. It is a great tool. We can all have it. We can. I like to call it a superpower. Yes, superpower. I agree. What did Miss Della used to say? What was that? Oh, yes. Well, way back in in the early days, she would say, to students and to teacher briefings, she would always say, good taste before fashion. So she liked and admired fashion, but good taste first. She used to say a lot, don't be a follower, yes. be a leader. Yes. And she would sort of segue that to fashion. What mm-hmm. was your understanding of what she meant? Well, don't be a victim. Really? Uh, Can I use that word? Yes, of course you can. Fashion victim? I hear it all the time. We see it all the time. Mm. Even Mm. nowadays, possibly a little more than we used to. A lot of people think that to be unique, to be special or to have a a very um, different personal style, that they've Mm. got to be outrageous or bordering on rude or... And we know very well that that's not what cuts it. With. No, it doesn't, does no. it? I remember, and I still remember to this day, from my wardrobe one and wardrobe two with yes. Dicant, it was, you, you stood us all in front of the mirror and you, you talked to us about our body shape. Yes. And in a gentle way, 
and it wasn't this is right, this is wrong. There was no mention of, oh, you could lose a few inches there or anything like that. No. It was a, it was about what is your body shape? And you shared with us what suits us, what would be best for us to wear. Yes. And I think, is that where Miss Daly was saying, don't be a follower. So mm. if your friend can wear a certain shape or that person chooses to wear... I don't know, a very, very short skirt that perhaps is a little bit risque or doesn't suit them or whatever it is. It, and it looks great on them and you put it on be, just because they have put it on, but it doesn't look great on you or it, it doesn't enhance your your attributes or your, your beauty or whatever it is. I think that's what she was pertaining to, wasn't she? And mm. we still, you know, in all the courses and even with my private wardrobe clients, I always stress that there's no need to follow. Mm. Know your personal style mm. and develop it and own it. Own it. Oh, I love that word. Two words. Own it. Yeah. Mm. And, it's, and you own it every time I see you. And it's constantly, you are authentic with your brand because Dicant is a brand. And you. you are very authentic and you know what works and what suits you and you never wear... I don't think I've ever seen any fashion faux pas that you have... Well, maybe I have and I didn't realise at the time. Have you ever, have you ever got <laughs> yes. it wrong? Yeah. And I, I think we should talk about faux pas and um, misadventures with fashion and um, malfunctions as well. Okay, well do, please, enlighten <laughs> us. Um, faux pas, I think we've all done it. I, I remember wearing clogged shoes, which, and I've always been a fairly slightly built person, and the clogged shoes, you know, I look back on an occasional photo or whatever. I remember clogs. Oh, oh my goodness. And they weren't for everybody, <laughs> and uh, Miss Daly didn't particularly like them because of... Uh, posture and deportment. They mm. just they're they not very elegant, are they? No, they're not. No. Do you think the croc is the evolution of the clog? Probably. Probably, yes. My stepson, Luke, he wears crocs mm-hmm. with socks and they're white and he tells me they're a fashion statement because he's quite a fashionable yes. young man. Yes. They're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they are. And there are things like that that we just have our personal reactions to, mm. but there are some things that just should never have got airtime. <laughs> <laughs> what else? We have clogs. Oh, look, there's been a number of things over the years. Well, hot pants were one thing, and I'm guilty of wearing them. I was modelling back in the day of the hot pants. But they weren't for everybody. Mm. Now, today, the girls wear play suits, which are quite lovely, actually, and and girls with nice legs and beautifully presented can get away with hot pants, mm. what we used to call hot pants, but they're not for everybody. No, and, no. And a lot of fashion is not for everybody. But good style and knowing your shape and knowing what you can get away with, and sometimes it's as simple as a neckline shape mm. Mm. Or, or an armhole sla- shape. You know, it's not rocket science, but once you know what works for you, you know, you're powering. You're liking yourself in your clothes. So if I was to sort of shift a little bit here, would you agree that the world and manners have sort of been turned on its head a little bit? Mm. You know, manners in, in some situations are beyond recognition. And when we think of that impact on fashion and how we choose to dress, and I'm alluding to dress codes. Yes, here. yes. Do people even follow dress codes anymore? You know, and I'll be the devil's advocate. 
are dress codes done? Is it okay if there is a code and you don't follow it? I mean, I guess it's a two-part question. Dress codes. Why are there dress codes in some situations for attending? For example, you went to a dinner at Government House. Correct. Was there a dress code on your invitation? Yes, it was um, formal black tie, miniatures to be worn. Not miniature skirts. No, (laughs) now miniature medals. (laughs) But going back to that first question you said, do dress codes still apply? Yes, and dress standards still apply. I know that I know there's a difference. I know we're going to talk about that. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Okay. And um, Miss Daly used to say things like, manners are something special you have all the time. It's not like a dress. You don't just put them on when you're going to this event or this interview or mm-hmm. whatever. Manners you have. Mm. Yeah. So if you don't adhere to a dress code, are you rude? Yes, particularly if it's on an invitation. Okay. I mean, the youngies all understand dress codes when they go to certain clubs and festivals festivals and situations. I think the festival dress code is don't wear much <laughs> and lots of glitter. <laughs> yes, but I'm not saying I'm, in the hair. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm ticking all the boxes. I'm just saying people do understand dress codes. But dress standards which we I think we need to discuss because well let's go back to dress codes. An invitation will come or a corporate um, newsletter will go out. There's an event, a function or whatever. And we respect the dress code. And I love the word respect. I know a lot of people think that's old-fashioned. It isn't. It's, it's cool to have respect and to read when you're accepting an invitation, read what the dress code is, what they would like you to do. And then listen, if you hate that idea that, they would love you to wear pink because this particular young lady's having a 21st and she would love you to wear pink. If you don't want to wear pink, if you can't find a pink nail polish or a the guys can't find a pink shirt, then perhaps you shouldn't go. Because really, if you can't play the game, what the heck? It's lovely. I, th- I think it's gorgeous. And certainly in business, there are dress codes and dress standards that, yes, gentlemen, a coat and a collar and collared shirt and tie, not desired, they're required. They're expected. Yeah. I know you work a lot in the corporate area when talking about dress codes. Uh, you have been one of our corporate yes. trainers for, for many, many years. So, and talking about dress codes, it, it tends to be the thing that's flagged often, isn't it, yes. with, with human resources and they yes. want us to come in and, mm-hmm. and encourage and inspire mm-hmm. groups. So my question here is, you know, we say it's important to be well-dressed. Yes. But on the other hand, we are also educated in the space of don't judge a book by its cover. We shouldn't judge a book by no. its cover. So how do those two thoughts become compatible? So don't dress well, dress for success, (laughs) dress well because you're the expectation of your employer perhaps, but then we also say, but you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. So how do those two work together? Well, industry standards also come into this, but can't judge a book by its cover. I think you can tell a fair bit myself, actually. You can, can't you? (laughs) First impressions. And... um, They're not stipulating that you need to spend a lot of money. I mean, we've got to be clothed anyway. Why not put a little bit of effort into it and 
as I say to corporate groups that we have at school, I say, you know, it's a competitive world out there. It really is. And yes, you are obviously top of the tree in your field, but you've got to dress well as, I mean, it's competitive out there. You've got to tick every box. It's mm-hmm. not enough just to say, I've got a double degree in this and I've won this mm-hmm. award, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to look the part as well. And I'm not being a snob and I'm not saying it has to be designer dressing. You know, nowadays you can actually really wing it with a lot of the mass-produced brands. And if you look after your clothes, you have them for ages. You don't have to change them every season. I'm so anti that. Mm. I believe you develop your style, you get a couple of great jackets, some good pants, skirt, dress if it's girl, and beautiful pieces. You maintain them well and um, it takes the pain out of it for a lot of people. A lot of people don't want to be well-dressed because they think it's a nightmare. They think they've got to spend too much and they've got to work at it all the time. Can I tell you, it simplifies everything, particularly if you're not offered a uniform. Mm. It's, um, you know, it's easy. You said just earlier about the first impression and I think that's where it comes into to line understanding about the the concept of dressing well. Yeah. Because in that first impression, we all of us read mm-hmm. subliminal messages, we read body language, we we have this fight or flight response where we look at a person and we can usually within I think it's about seven seconds absolutely determine whether or not they're the person we're looking for. They have credibility and and I'm not saying if you put a jacket on you're instantly credible. However, it's all of these boxes that, yes. that are ticked subliminally that says, I have confidence in this person, their credibility mm-hmm. at the forefront. And then after that, you then have to sell your mm. yourself or your skills or your service of your, mm. your skills or your services. They say that this new buzzword, which has been around for a long, long time, your brand, and it is uh-huh. about your brand it because is- you are authentic to that. It's almost sort of, you know, you could align it to if you walked into a a surgery and there is your surgeon and they're wearing board shorts and um, thongs and a surf T-shirt and you're thinking, that doesn't compute. You don't look like the expectation that I have. And and that's what fashion does, doesn't Mm. it, Di? It it, it tells a story. It does. He could be a brilliant surgeon, Mm. but he's got his weekend leisure clothes on Mm. and... um, uh, even in the um, the area that we deal a lot with, the hard hat and high-vis area, it's about looking good in your clothes and about them fitting well and you comfortable and about cleanliness and presentation of your work clothes. You could be the best at what you do, but at least make sure that the clothes fit you well and they're comfortable. Mm. You know, I've often heard people say, what we said before, don't judge a book by its cover. It doesn't matter what I wear. I'm, I'm good at what <laughs> I do. And these are the people that say that dress codes are a complete nonsense in this day and age. And what's the point? What would you say to those people who say to you, but why do we need a dress code? Can't I just do my job or present the way that I feel suits me? We talk about being an individual. Well, how would you convince them to say, no, dress codes are important? Well, I think dress codes are important for most parts of our life, actually. And I think self-esteem and confidence actually come into it too. And feeling, being your own person, 
I'm very into being one's own person and having personal style. Just that confidence and self-esteem thing that feeling right in your clothes mm. and that's looking another... Looking the part. Looking the part. And that's another thing of when I was going to talk about getting it wrong, mm. how many times I hear from a male or a female that someone has taken them as their plus one or together to an event and haven't given the particular person oh, yes. the heads up on... I've been there. Have you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I divorced that husband. <laughs> <laughs> you probably did too. Stop that. Um, but no, it, it, that's why... I think we all love to be included in things, of course, but we do like to know what we're going to, where it is, and uh, not who's going to be there and all the little details that one might ask, but more importantly, is it a celebration? At what time of day is it? And have they mentioned who's wearing what? In other words, is there a dress code? Yes. I think dress codes create belonging. Yeah, I do too. I think it's you're part of a, a group. Yeah. We all, as human beings, we want to belong. We yes. don't. We don't live no. autonomously. We no. want to be part of mm. the group. And I'm not saying we want to be like everyone else, mm. but we don't want to stand out mm. of the crowd. We want to be part of of, yes. of the group. We want to look good mm. and own our look. Mm. We don't have to is, all do the same that, thing. Um, tribal. It's that uniform. And but we don't have to all look the same or be the same or behave the same. But it's it's just a it's a standard. Mm. I do love standards, dress standards. I really do. The wheels fell off there a couple of times over the last thirty years. Do you think the wheels have fallen off a little bit since COVID nineteen? Yes, I do. I can share, and I've mentioned this to you, Lachlan, uh, my oldest. He is a lawyer. And his firm, they have really changed their dress code. Have they? You can, and he does, wear chinos, RM boots. Ah, so dress down Fridays going all the week. Every day, unless you're client-facing. And that's something I think, wow. Do you have a problem with that? I guess it's that traditional mindset, I'm a boomer, we're boomers, (laughs) that you should look like a lawyer. He still looks well-dressed. I've seen Lachlan in a yes. sports coat and jeans. Oh, there's no coat. There's oh, no, no coat. coat. No, there's oh, no I'm coat. Sorry to hear that. Hey, no, he had on the other day. He had a black chinos, a black turtleneck, RMs, RM belt. Oh. Very Tom Fordish. <laughs> <laughs> but that was what he wore to work. And he sounds he, like dinner at the Carlisle instead of. Mm. And he just rolled his eyes and said, "Okay, boomer, this is the new way. This is." Yeah. He said, "No, I'm following protocol. Okay, unless we're client facing." Yes. Yes. And it's a business shirt, yep. tie and a jacket. Mm-hmm. But if not... That's the dress code of the mm-hmm. company. So uh, mm-hmm. why do you think dress clothes are relaxing a little bit? I don't know. I think, well, I don't really know. There's different ideas on this. You know, when COVID hit, the world changed and people did work remotely from home. A lot of people got used to it and quite liked it, mm. except when Zoom calls and Zoom conferences were on. And then they certainly had to see that they were wearing a great jacket or a beautiful clean collared shirt and tie or for the girls a nice blouse and sweater or whatever. But I do believe it was sort of tracky dackies and and uggies on the bottom part of bodies. Of course, you wouldn't get away with that in the real office. Mm. Yeah, look, retail did sort of say that 
With COVID came a lot of changes about the dressing up and the dress codes for work. It is a real thing. It has changed out there. It It changed me. Yes. So I was very much always a suit-wearing person. Well, you are. Person. And that comes from my learned behaviour from Miss Daly. Do you remember there was a time there where we weren't allowed to wear pants mm-hmm. as staff mm. and yep. teachers? Mm. And that sort of, I think that was adopted from the, the legal fraternity in mm. some judges in the courtroom wouldn't uh, remember that mm. way, way back, that it was always advised the female lawyers mm. or barristers, you've got judge such and such. But that had to change. The world had to change when Yves Saint Laurent actually redeveloped the tuxedo for women. Mm. And do you remember the headlines when Maggie Tabra, it was a setup, it was a media thing, but Maggie rocked up to a well-known Sydney restaurant with some people and she was dressed in a trousers suit. It was all a little bit of a, you know. It was story. a beat up. It was a beat up. But they sort of said, sorry, Maggie, you can't come in wearing trousers. Mm. And um, anyway, it was all a bit fluffy at the time, and all of us said, what? We love our trousers. I mean, after the war, women wore trousers. Catherine Hepburn was famous for the she trouser, was. and was. that was the pocket, you know, that sort of lovely pocket slouchy look mm. and worn with twin sets, gorgeous sweaters, beautiful blouses and jackets. Fabulous look. And do you know what, Jody? I've always said some women look better in a pantsuit mm. than in a short skirt. Yes, I agree. I'm one of those women. No. Mm. Well, you mm. wear both. I wear both. I don't wear a short skirt. No. No, but no. Um, heaven forbid. But I do, I love a trouser suit. And yeah. and, um, and I, as I was saying, COVID, I'm still corporate casual and that's the term that mm-hmm. you seem to be able to nail with our students that they understand what that means. Yes. Because some people think corporate casual, depending on the industry, is your tracky dacks and, and your gym no. gear and so <laughs> forth, heaven forbid. I don't think that ever has a place unless you're in physiotherapy or yes. you're in a gym. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to fashion, what constitutes being rude. I want to give you a scenario because I know some of our listeners are probably thinking, well, what does constitute rude behaviour, perhaps unintentionally? And I think that's the thing. I don't think that's not a broad brushstroke. I think we often don't realise that we may offend. And the person we're offending is the person who has invited us to this event. And that's what it's about. It's not about the others around us. It's about this person Mm -hmm. has extended an invitation to their wedding. I have been invited to this wonderful wedding. Now, my favourite colour, this is all hypothetical, of course, mm-hmm. my favourite colour is white. Mm-hmm. Is it rude, is it bad manners for me to wear white to that wedding? Yes. And look, you know me, I can stretch the rules <laughs> as far as they go. Um, but no, I'm sorry, that isn't your right on that one day. Mm-hmm. Unless the bride is wearing a pastel colour and she may say, go for it go for it. I'm not doing white. Mm. But no, I think it's attention getting. I'm sorry. Surely, yes, look, hey, I love white, but I would no more wear it to someone's wedding than fly. Mm. No way. No way. Now, I've had a couple of weddings, Di. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't wear white to any of them. No, you didn't. (laughs) Oh, dear. I believe from the information that I've gathered over the years, wearing white is essentially has originated from 
purity. The bride is pure (laughs) and she wears the white colour. It's also about the attention. It should be on Mm, the bride that her maids would usually wear a a different colour to her. So it is their day. The poor gentleman doesn't have much to do with attention. He he wears the same colour as the other groomsmen. So I guess in that sense, it, it, is it taking the limelight away from the bride as well? So that's one of the reasons. It should be about their day and mm. the colour that they wear. Mm. No one else is wearing that colour, so it is all about them. Once again, I think it's respect. I think it's tradition. Don't let's go of everything just because it's old. Mm. Some things really work and I just think it's a beautiful thing and I think we all stand back a little on that day and it is her choice. And as I say, if you want to wear white, I would be very certain to run it past the bride. Mm. I personally think just avoid it. Keep Mm. white for the next party or the next event Mm. or for your everyday lifestyle. But no, no, I'm a bit of a stickler on some things. I, I like it to be fair and I like it to be stunningly yes respectful and same sex marriages gender fluid marriages whoever yeah, is is, is getting married yes. the attention may be both the bride and bride or groom and groom they both may wear a pale color because it's about them it's about absolutely. their day absolutely mm. stay clear of the white should they want to wear it mm. and wear something else most people can wear most colors they've just got to get that shade right Yes, because it's powerful, isn't it? When you think Mm. about the animal kingdom, the females, well, we don't get much colour. We get brown (laughs) or grey, which is terribly unfair. I don't know what happened then. And birds. Yes, but the males. They're gorgeous. They are. Mm -hmm. They get all the Mm colour because they have to do the hard work. They have to get the attention Mm -hmm. of the female, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Procreation and and longevity of of the species. I'm so glad it's not like that in the real world. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad too. (laughs) So, Di, we're based in Queensland and some would say we are the capital of casual, which I'm not always 100% on that. That's I've read some. We've always been given that rap, haven't we? That Mm -hmm. Queenslanders, you know, the the Brisbane uh, CBD, people, we don't dress as well perhaps as our neighbours in Sydney and Melbourne. Do you know, I think, Jodie, that has changed. I've got a couple of great girlfriends who come up and stay with me from Sydney and Melbourne, and one of them in particular, Melbourne girlfriend, who's gorgeous and dresses beautifully and appreciates nice events and going out. And she said to me, wow, it's a long time since I've been to something as special as this in Melbourne. And this was before COVID, actually, so we won't leave the COVID part of lifestyle change out of it. We were at something wonderful at Boundary Street Common. Mm -hmm. And the night the ballet dancers danced in the gardens and we were all dressed up and I warned her before she came. I just said, hey, we've got a couple of beauty nights out and we'll dress up a little on those occasions. So she was forearmed. Yeah, so Brisbane has some wonderful, I think we've outlived that to a certain extent, but still walking around the streets and through shopping centres, I think we do use the excuse, we live in the subtropics, so we're entitled to wear very little and et cetera, et cetera. But I think on the whole, socially and at the races and in the corporate world, 
I think, pretty good. We're getting there, aren't yeah. we? Dress yeah. codes. I know one in particular with the airlines, with Qantas. They yes. be- because we were becoming so casual and they put going their foot down. Going to the Sundays, going to the tropics. Mm. Yes, they did. In the Qantas club, they mm. did ask for, well, they did say no board shorts and sandals or thongs, I think it was. Thongs. Thongs, sorry. Yes, so obviously there were people objecting to sitting, waiting in the lounges and in the um, terminal with badly dressed people. Mm. Mm. It's interesting, isn't but it? But you can do you can do the cash so, and look fabulous. So you can be underdressed and get away with it, do you believe? I think you can dress down and get away with it, but anything sloppy is um, doesn't doesn't cut it. it. You just shouldn't be going out of the house sloppy. Is there anywhere you can go with no shoes and it be okay? No. No? no? The beach? You can go to the beach without Of course you can. Yes. But usually, if you're smart, you're wearing a pair of sandals or sand shoes or thongs to the beach. That's where thongs are marvellous to Mm. get across the hot sand and uh, it doesn't matter if they get wet and sandy or your sand shoes. Mm. But no, no, we don't want to. No bare feet. It's, it's a danger. It's there's this. Yeah, you know, I just I could never. Some people's feet are gross. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, no one that listens to this podcast no. oh, has no, gross no, no, feet. No, no, no. But, sure. but they know what people who mm. they know mm. what I'm talking about. I think. Yes. Sort of. Let's sort of track back to talking about dress codes, especially in business. And I know that there was, and I know this because you and I do this together when we're talking about dress codes and working with different business sectors. Let's say, Di, 10 years ago, you and I were staunch believers and we advocated that one should never show their toes in business, meaning an open-toed shoe. Sandal shoe. Mm. But that's changed, hasn't it? Yes, it has. It has, Yes. And I'm talking for ladies. I'm not. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that a man should wear a peep toe <laughs> boot or something like that. No. Whereas it, for, for women mm. in in business, that mm. an open toed shoe is not acceptable. But that's evolved. It has. Same as really going back before that, Jod, a couple of decades ago, it was absolutely. Can I use the compulsory word mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to wear hosiery? Oh yes. And see that too has changed. Not with the airlines and with some of the corporates. That is part of the, you know, it's just de rigueur. It's what what mm. looks good and mm. what, what mm. happens. But no, generally across the board, I think you'll find in the last 20 years, a lot of girls have given up on the hose. Whereas there's some women who love the polish and the finish of good hosiery. Mm. Even if it's totally invisible, you wouldn't pick that it's even a hose on the leg. They still like that finish, that feeling, and they like to wear shoes that way. Di, do you think with all of us wanting to be PC and the PC movement is is very much alive and well and we're sometimes concerned about saying things that perhaps we're thinking them but we're, we don't know whether or not it's appropriate to voice our thoughts and opinions. And this is when it comes, and I'm talking in a, a business environment, yeah. that a lot of companies are steering away from having corporate standards or corporate dress codes, and which is great for you and I because they get us in to, yes. to help mm. deliver that message. Why do you think people are hesitant to say to their, for example, the big organisation and the receptionists at the front, they do a fabulous job, but 
they're coming in like they've just rolled out of bed. Mm-hmm. Their presentation is not good. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they've just thrown on something that hasn't even been pressed and there's a little bit of remnants of breakfast there. Mm-hmm. And so I've mm-hmm. given you the, the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. But why are employers hesitant to say anything? What? Why do you think they're, do I dare I say, fearful? I think maybe they feel to use the right speak. They may, and it, it's good for us. I mean, they believe that we are expert and proper at doing such things without upsetting or in hurting anybody's feelings. Mm, it's really personal what you wear, isn't it? It is. But I often use this to some groups of particularly women in this instance, where I would say to women, Tuesday morning at 10am cannot look like Friday evening at 8 o'clock, meaning going to the dinner, going meeting people for drinks or going to the movies or whatever, whatever. 10am Tuesday morning or any morning of the week. What I'm saying is business is business, no matter what field you're in, whether you work in airlines or in the hospitals, a lot of them, of course, um, wear uniforms. But in any industry, in the ad industry, um, in retail, it's looking appropriate. Looking Looking the part. Looking the part. Looking like you are who you are, doing what you do and do well. Do you believe in that saying, fake it until you make it? Well, it does work in certain areas, certainly in dress. Yes, I, I guess so. But there's no need to fake it. We're there to steer you along the way yes. and teach you how or train you or suggest to you or deliver the message that I see women and they say, wow, Di, I had never seen myself that way, but I like what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. So I'm going to do this. And it is about not so much faking it, but just trying a little harder. Mm. And realising the potential there. The potential, yes. And the feel-good, the feel-good and Mm. the confidence. Mm. But I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking you're going to be photographed, you know, like the cover of Vogue, but you'll look great. Yes. And do you think that employers in this instance, we're still sort of harbouring around this dress code in, in business, when they see you aligned to the corporate image and the corporate brand, they see that as respect, don't they? right, they do. They do. right. It's not about that they're controlling you or creating this sense of, I don't know, one size fits all. It's not. It's saying, this is our brand. And and if we were to say to a company employee, what's one of the most powerful words that you would want people to look at you? And within those first three seconds, that's the word that would come up in their head that they would conjure and and most say professional. Yes. And professional has different... Yeah. Different explanations. Absolutely. Mm, It does, doesn't it? At all different levels, all different industries, all different career paths. Yes. You know, my late husband was a motor dealer. Mm. We had a lot of people working with us and for us in the dealerships. And they used to love the encouragement and the dress standards. A lot were in uniform, of course, all the technical people were in uniform. And the salespeople had a brief that was a suggested standard. They loved it. Mm. You know, they knew that they like to. We like to know our boundaries, don't Absolutely. we? We'd like to know where we yep. fit yep. and what we're the expectation is. I found that more people like the idea of tell us about it mm. than to not know at all. Yeah, mm. I do. I, most people say that's beautiful. Okay, I'll, 
wouldn't have seen myself in a jacket, but okay, yeah, I might get one. And they're the people who their self-esteem goes right up. It does. And I know that people will argue the fact, don't judge a book by its cover. What I wear doesn't matter. But I've seen people spend two hours with you. They walk out of that room. They come back. They they send me the emails to pass on their thanks. They say, I feel so much better about myself. I feel more confident. About 80% of the population does suffer from imposter syndrome. Yes. And they often think they're not good enough. Yes. And it's because of what they think about themselves, what they see Mm -hmm. in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I think with June Daly Watkins and Di Camp, we kind of guide them into being the best version of themselves. Didn't we have that recently? We did. I won't mention the brand, but Mm. a wonderful, well-respected real estate company. Mm. Mm. And uh, I could see when I first met the group, there was one uh, person that, probably felt, oh, okay, we've got to be here because this was voted by the the team. We've got to be here. That person was actually, it was a lady, girl, and she was fabulous. She was so receptive, Mm. but I knew when I first met her, we shook hands and I just felt she was thinking, I could be doing something else with this two hours. I've got clients, paperwork. She relaxed and she had questions and... Oh, it's a tough gig doing what we do, Di, because (laughs) people feel invaded. They feel that Mm. you're saying basically, I don't like what you look like. Mm. There's something wrong. And 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 um, we don't ever do that. Mm. And I remember one time you and I were doing something together and the head of HR said, now, we have had someone come in here and stand somebody up and go from head to toe Mm. what was wrong. Oh, and and that's never been oh, – it's about awful. empowerment. It's yeah. about yeah. – it's it you know, it goes back to that catchphrase, be the best version of you. And I think that's something that you have been doing for a long time and you've been doing it well. And I – 50 years plus GST. I, plus GST. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Di, we've, we've run out of time. There is so much more you and I can chat about. You are – a library of of information and I just I adore listening to you and and learning I learn a new thing every time we chat so I hope that we can do this again I hope next time uh, we can unpack some more things what do you think we could chat about the next time we we get together um, well I'd love that about right clothes for right occasions the language of clothes Language. language. Yes, the language that we speak mm-hmm. with clothes. I'm always scared to use that fashion word because a lot of people balk at it. So we need to dissect that a little bit so that people don't have this scary thing about what fashion is. Okay. They need. Sounds to, very I, interesting. I think a lot of people are interested, I think. I think they are. Oh, they, anyway. they are, 100%. And uh, about dressing to express my friend and colleague, Peter Morrissey, Mm -hmm. you know, we would often talk in segments about dressing to impress and dressing for success. And he used to say, die, more importantly, dress to express. So a little bit on that we could talk about, if you like. I would love that, dressing to express. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward Mm. to knowing more about that, that's for sure. Die, thank you again. And we look forward to next time. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us on What Would June Daly Watkins Do? Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode.